Sure, that was amazing worship, Godfrey and the team, really. Thank you so much. I was so anointed. Yes, Father, we just want to thank you this afternoon, Lord, that you came to earth. You came, Lord. And you came when mankind was at their worst, Father. And you saved us. Lord, where would we be without you? Where would we, what would we do, Lord? We would have no hope have no hope, we'd have no inner peace, you would have no joy, we'd have nothing, nothing to hold on to. Lord, help us not to take you for granted. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that familiarity will not breed neglect in us, Lord, or, or ne- uh, breed um, uh, just, just absolute, even rejection of you, Father, that we get so used to you, we don't appreciate what you've done for us. Lord, I pray that you would burn in our hearts, etch in our hearts and our minds a renewed realization, a renewed appreciation for what you have done for us, Lord. Lord, restore unto us the joy of our salvation according to your word, Father. Restore Psalm 52, Lord. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation. We worship you, God. We praise your name. We praise your name. Speak to us tonight, Lord, as you've already started in the worship. Just continue, Lord. Holy Spirit, minister to us, God. We so hunger and thirst after you. In your precious name, Jesus, beautiful name. Amen. So nice to see some more faces. When we kicked off with the worship, there were about 10. Now we're about 50 or 60, I don't know. So tonight we're talking about why we're here. So we're celebrating and we're remembering the resurrection and death of Christ tonight. Um, and the, the title of the message is The Greatest Act of Love. And, um, and I want to say, I, I really believe Christ coming to earth and what he did has been the greatest act of love. And uh, it, is a, it is, for some folks, it might be a very wild opinionated statement. How can you say I know for us, I think we, I'm in the right crowd to say something like that. I don't think you're going to stone me, hey. But if I had to say that in another crowd, they'd say, no, no, my mother's, my, the fact that my mother did this and that for me is the greatest act of love, or my dad, or whoever, my great-grandfather, you know. Uh, but I hope, to, I hope to substantiate what I'm saying in the next few minutes. Um, so, I was a missionary. Can we kick off before we go to a verse? I just want to kick off with a story. I was a missionary uh, from 19, uh, when was it? 92 to 2000. I was a missionary for eight years. And um, in that time, I was wrestling with God. So, I hear Jordan Peterson is writing, about, uh, writing a book about wrestling with God. I really believe he's a believer which is amazing. I can't wait for that book to come out. Um, but I was wrestling with God. And, and the scripture that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. How many of you have managed to get that right? Raise your hand. You need to come lay hands on me because I still can't get it right. I, I'm still working at that. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. That is a tall order. Would you agree with me? It's not easily done. So I was wrestling with the Lord and I was saying, God, 
how do I love you? How do I start? I mean, I can say then that 19, uh, this, this wrestle was, I think, 1992, 93. How many of you were born already? Who was born in 92? No one. Oh, Godfrey, thank you. <laughs> I'm in good company. All right. So no, no, except Godfrey was born in when? When were you born, Godfrey? 92. That just, girl, you just came in. You just landed from heaven. Amen. All right. So I was wrestling with the Lord then, and, and I was saying, God, if I truthfully have to say I love you, I can't say I love you. I can't see you. I pre- and I was a missionary, guys. I appreciate you. I've given my life to you. I serve you. I pursue you. But can I truly say that I love you? Love, love. We say that word easily. Don't you think we say that word too easily? Who feels sometimes we kind of cheapify it? I'm guilty of it, eh? It's a heavy word to the Creator. And so I was saying, okay, Lord, how am I, I going to start loving you? But I realized for me to love you, I need to see your love for me. Because Scripture says it. 1 John 4 says, we love because He loved us first. And that's love for Him and love for the body. The beginning before that verse, it speaks about loving God. And after that verse, it speaks about using the love that God touches us with to love each other. And so I said, Lord, I realize, please show me how much you love me. And then one instance we could invite, the mission organization I was part of, said we can invite couples to come have a meal with us Sundays. They would have a special meal. Uh, the, the mission organization was in an old hotel building. And uh, so we had the facilities, and uh, I invited this couple, and they had a three-week-old baby. And I was sharing this amazing story, because at that stage, I was in charge of the mission research department. And um, the story was, a Vietnamese evangelist was traveling from one Vietnamese town to the next, and he was sharing about Christ. And this one town, the Buddhist town, was so upset with him, another religion, Buddhism, they beat him up and they tied his hands and they fastened these bags with rocks around him and they threw him into the river to die because they did not like his message of Jesus Christ. And then at that moment in the river when he started sinking, a yellow light appeared and he started breathing underwater. So has anybody missed any part of the story I've just said? Have you all, have, have I, are you hanging on, the, on my lips? Are you hanging on the words? Martha isn't. Yes? You're not. You're not, you, you don't know the story. Do you, do you want to know what happens afterwards? So write that, and there's a reason I'm, I'm laboring this. At that very moment, the child starts crying. And I'm talking into the air. It's like I don't exist. I want to tell them what happened with this guy that started breathing underwater, and I've lost all of their focus, all of their attention. It's like, I don't exist. The child doesn't even really cry. It just starts making a little noise. I mean, like your baby, just not real crying. It's like just a little grumble, a moan. And both parents pick up this three-week-old child, and this child has all of their attention, their love, their heart. And right there, the Spirit says to me, Do you see that? That's a little bit of my love for you. 
My love a billion times supersedes the attention, the care, the love that those parents have for that baby. No matter what you say, they don't care. That baby has their entire focus. That has their attention. How much don't I love you like that? And then my journey started of discovering the love of God for me. And then discovering, um, you know, how to start loving him back. Because as I tasted his love for me, I could start reciprocating his love. Because it was just so overwhelming. Do you want to know the rest of the story of the Vietnamese guy? And so he washes up on a riverbank. It's a true story. We know the mission organization that are involved, Asian Outreach. We knew them personally. So it's not a fable. He washed out on the riverbank, and he walked all the way back to the village. And when they saw him, they ran away. They thought he was a ghost. Because in their minds, he's supposed to be dead. So they ran away. And he said, no, 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 I'm not a ghost. I'm not a ghost. I just want to tell you, I forgive you, but Christ loves you. That whole village came to Christ. They all got saved. And so my journey started with discovering how much God loves me. Who's got brokenness in this room? Who's got disappointment in this room? Who's got sometimes some fear? Do you know how you get rid of it? His perfect love. Pursue to discover how much He loves you. Make that your life goal. Mark your levens rupang. I'm just repeating now what I just said in English in Afrikaans. Mark your levens rupang om uit te vind hoe lief Jesus vir jou is. Make your life goal to discover how much Jesus loves you. Pray that every day of your life. Say, Lord, show me how much you love me today. You cannot stay broken. You cannot stay. His perfect love, what does what to fear? It casts out. It drives it out, some translations. His perfect love drives out fear. So discovering how much Jesus loves little old me will change you. It will sustain you. It will make you Firm in the Lord. It will settle you. It will stable you. It will make you resilient against all rejection, all pain, every disappointment. Because God loves me. It's not a, a hope so hope. It's a no so hope. It's not a I know it up here. It's a know it in my deepest being. Jesus loves me. And David says in the Psalms, even though my parents throw me away, Lord, you will never throw me away. Can I get a little amen and a hallelujah for that? Come on, guys. That's good news. That's transforming news. And the thing is, we, that's the thing is, familiarity makes us re resistant to truth. If we hear something too much, it sticks here and doesn't filter down here. So mean business with God. Go wrestle with him. Say, Lord, I want to know your love. Because when I say I love you, I must mean it. It can't be lip service. When I say I love you, I must say I, when I say I love you, I must, it must come out of my heart. I really love you, Jesus. I don't only appreciate you. I don't only thank you. I love you from the bottom of my heart. Because I've tasted how much you love me. And the more you taste his love, the more you're going to love him back. So in 1 John 3, 16, 
It's amazing. We quoted 1 John now. Was it you? Who was it that quoted 1 John? Yes. Simon. So we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. So we know what real love because we know that Jesus gave his life up for us. And then the Amplified Version, that was the New Living Translation. Now the Amplified Bible says, By this we know and have come to understand the depth, the essence of his precious love. That he willingly laid down his life for us because he loved us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the believers. He willingly laid down his life for us because he loved us. And we should lay down our lives for him in reciprocation. And we should lay down our lives for, look, to the, look at the person next to you and tell him, I need to lay down my life for you. <laughs> that, is that easier said than done? Much easier to verbalize it than to literally live it out. And then amazing John 3.16 has the same message, just different words. 1 John 3.16 has a message about laying down your life, Christ laying it down, or John 3.16 does the same. Both, John and both 3.16. For God so, and this is the amplified version, we should have it there. Uh, John 3. Ah. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world. Ah, look at the, yeah, that's amazing. Say to, the, say, the, say to the person next to you, God dearly prizes you. Look, you'll have to find someone. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world, we were in the world, that He even gave His one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes and trusts in Him as a Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. We should never become resistant or used to this message. Or become used, just, just become, what's the word? That it doesn't affect you anymore. Complacent towards this. This is so, so powerful. We should actually take hours just to meditate on the fact that Christ came to earth. Who is this Christ? He's the creator of many more planets in our galaxy than the amount of people born on this planet. How many people are enough to worship this God? Do you think we have enough people on this planet to worship? No. By no ways are there enough people. And not everybody worships him. Christianity, reborn Christians, according to the clever researchers, is about 800 million reborn Christians on this planet. Out of a 2.3 billion people that associate themselves with Christianity. So, there's too few of us to worship. So, the question I want to ask is, why did Christ have to die on the cross? Do you know how many Christians really have asked this question and they... It's hard to, 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 to really explain it. Yeah, he had to for our sins. So what does that mean? Christ had to die for my sins. What does that mean? Why does somebody have to die for my sins? 
I'm not saying you don't have the answer. I'm sure you do. I'm not presuming. But it's shocking to see how many reborn Christians cannot give you the reason why Christ had to die for my sins. We deserve to die. Why must we die? Because God can't stand any sin. One sin for God is as bad as a billion sins. He, he is so holy. He is so pure. He cannot tolerate any sin. And sin comes from disobedience. And Adam and Eve started with it. And the fruit of the disobedience is lust, lying, stealing, jealousy. That's the fruit of disobedience. So any sin is totally, cannot be tolerated because he is 100% holy. But we have an amazing blessing in the fact that he's not only holy, his love. So if he only had to listen to his holiness, we'd be in big trouble. But as much as he's holy, if not more, God is love. He's the epitome of love. Now, how does he bridge his holiness and love? He says, if I had to punish them for their wrongdoing. They, I mean, how many of you got a hiding from your mother when you didn't listen? All of us. I see that, that crowd was spoiled. They never got hidings there, that group. But the rest got hidings. Let's say discipline. Let's leave the hiding. Some, some circles, you're not allowed to say hiding anymore. Politically correct. Sorry, I don't, I don't go for political correctness. Okay. A smack on the buttocks. All right. I got a slap through the face when I back-chatted my mom. Who years back-chatted their mom? Did you get a slap? Who got a slap through the face? Ah, you see, we are the cheeky ones, eh? We're the cheeky ones. Martha, you never got a slap through the face. You're not cheeky at all, eh? <laughs> okay. So if Christ had to give us a hiding because of his absolute holiness, he'd kill us, send us to hell for one sin. So he said, let me take the hiding in their place. Let me take it on their behalf. Let me. I heard this amazing story. Amazing story. True story. Of a, a principal. And a head. And a principal and a vice principal. True story. School. The. There was a young man. But he. He's. His father had died, and, and he was like an up-and-coming leader. They, they were actually, um, what's the word? I'm at a loss for word tonight. Uh, they were grooming him, thank you. They were grooming him to become the head boy of the school. But his dad had died, and he became a total rebel. And so he back-chatted a teacher for the umpteenth time, and the teacher sent him to the head office and said, I cannot put up with this guy. He jokes, he mocks He's, he's like, he's become totally like a totally undisciplined young man. And it was in grade 11. And the principal and the vice principal were reborn Christians. And they said, and they prayed about it. And God gave them this strategy. Welcome, welcome, Yella. And um, sent him to the principal's office. And uh, the headmaster said, you've done it again. These are the accusations. What do you say? He says, I don't care. Give me a hiding. It's like real arrogant. I don't care what you do. Who are you? I mean, like, he became a total rebel. 
None of you were ever like that, hey? I can see some guilty faces here. Okay. Maybe not as bad. And so um, took him, and the principal said um, he gave the cane to the vice principal, and, um, and he said to the young man, stand there. And the young man said, no, 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 I'll bend down. And he said, no, no, just stand there. And the principal bent down. And the vice principal started hitting the principal. And, and about by the third, <laughs> that poor principal, at the third whack, this boy was at the vice principal's leg on his knees, weeping, begging him to stop. No, I deserve that. No, you must give me that hiding. He begged him. Vice President Principal didn't stop. And they said to him, God loves you so much. And we love you too. We took the hiding for you because we love you. We want you to realize that we care. We know you're hurting because your dad's died. But there's a community around you that loves you. That boy became head boy. He changed. He transformed. Because he saw the power of love. The power of God's love displayed through his principle and his vice principle. So Jesus loves us so much. He didn't take only hiding for us. He took damnation for us. He took hell for us. Scripture says he descended. Peter says he preached to the souls in hell. Two verses. He preached to them. Hell was empty after Christ descended. By all accounts, it was empty. He emptied it out. He took train of captives out and he gave gifts to men. The gifts we have in church today. And other gifts too. So Lord, the Lord did amazing. He, did, he, he died in your and my place. Because if we put our faith, say, Lord, I trust you. I trust that you paid for my sin. I deserve to pay. I trust you for that. Thank you. You piggyback on the back of Jesus into heaven. You're in him. He's in you. Why was the resurrection needed? You ask many Christians, why is it needed that God had to resurrect? He paid for us, and so why should he stand up? And I'm sure all of you have the right answer. On what authority could he resurrect? He was guilty, wasn't he? He took my sin. He stood in my place. Who says he was guilty? Because he took the guilt on him. Who says he was guilty? Nobody's willing to commit now. Martha, what do you say? You gutsy. Was he guilty? He was and he wasn't. Yes, he took our sin on us. But he himself in his own standing... Was holy, pure. And that's why Satan could not defeat him in hell. That's why he had the power to take the keys of life and death and make a public, Colossians 2, make a public mockery spectacle of who? Satan and all of his demons. He made a public spectacle, a mockery of them. He said, I take away your power. The only power that Satan has over us is what we believe him for. He's a liar, he's a thief, he's a murderer. 
If you believe what he says, then he's got you. If you believe what he does, he's got you. If you follow his ways, he's got you. If you eat from his delicacies, he's got you. But God has bought you. He's bought you with the price of his life. If you had to give a value to the, to the value of Christ's blood, what value can you put on the blood of God? There's no value. It's priceless. So he died on our behalf for our sins. All the sin of man was on him. Not the present sin only, the sin that had been committed. The present and the future sins to be committed. He died for all of that. Now imagine, what would demons do? Because 1 Corinthians 2 says, Had the authorities and principalities known that by killing Christ, they would lose the battle, they would never have touched him. So from that we can see that the enemy did not know he was actually being bamboozled. He thought he'd win by killing God. He really, if you are so evil, you cross the boundary where your own lying you start believing. Have you seen that in some people? Hopefully not many, but I've seen it. When you are so evil, you, you are such a liar, such a deceiver, such a manipulator, you start believing your own lies. Satan is the epitome of evil. He really believed he can beat God by killing Christ. Now imagine, here's Christ giving himself for mankind. What do you think all the demons did? Where were they? Were they standing one side or were they enjoying the destruction feast? They were on him. How many demons are there? We don't know. They were attacking him. They thought we'd won. We'd won. We destroy him. Now, there's no scripture that says this. I'm trying to picture what the spiritual world looked like. We know the physical world. He hung on the cross. What did the spiritual atmosphere look like? There was a crack. There was earthquakes. I mean, the, the curtain tore. The curtain is a few inches thick. It's a thick thing. In the temple, it tore. There was an earthquake. The dead rose. The dead rose when he died. There was darkness. It wasn't only physical darkness. I would believe I've had to do with quite a few demons in my life. There was a spiritual darkness. Massive. He had to resurrect. Why did Christ have to resurrect? If he stayed in hell, then Satan won. Then there's no hope for us then we would not be acquitted. We'd not be set free from our sin. We would die in our sin and go to hell. But he stood up. He had victory. And because he's the only man that could die for man's sin and not remain and have the effects of that sin, the only one that could resurrect in his own righteousness. He himself was pure. So in his own righteousness, he could get out of the grip of Satan. And we piggyback on that. We believe that resurrection, take your finger, applies to me. Say that to yourself. That resurrection applies to me. If I put my faith on what Jesus did. Who of you have never committed your lives completely to Christ? 
with this knowledge. Close your eyes. Please. Who here tonight want to say, you know what, I've never realized this. This is such a powerful truth. Tonight, I want to say, Lord, because of this truth, I believe and I give you my whole life. And I'm sorry for never, never doing it properly until now. Raise your hand. I see those two hands. I see those three hands. Can I ask the leaders just to look back? Do you see the folks that are raising their hands, the three at the back? I'd like you to just meet to them after the service, okay? You see them, leaders? Just meet to them and lead them in a prayer of salvation. So, that's the reason why Christ had to resurrect. So that we can resurrect from the effects of sin, from the effects of um, death, from the effects of everything. So, Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3 verses 5, It is not that we think we are qualified. And Paul is here speaking about his work for God. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. That's the New Living Translation. Then the ESV says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. So through Christ's death, death and resurrection, we have received a qualification. So who here would like to say, what qualification do you think you've received? Family, qualified to be part of a family, yes. What else? Ati? We've received, we've been qualified right, with righteousness, yes, because we got his righteousness. Eternal life. So this word is translated in various translations to the following words. It's the word sufficiency is translated into competence. The word sufficiency is translated into qualification. It's translated into adequacy. Who here is so glad you are adequate? Is Fuldunda. If you had to think about yourself without Jesus making you holy by faith in Him, how adequate would you be? Who of you did not sin today at all? Who of you did sin today? Isn't it amazing? The adequate blood of Jesus and the resurrection life of God. You know what's amazing? God comes and makes us his house. Dirty old me. Because he doesn't look at my dirt he sees my dirt through the blood of the lamb, which washes away my dirt. 
And that's why he comes and he, he can, it, he's, it's a joy for him to make dirty old me in myself his house, his temple. But he doesn't see my dirt. He sees it through the blood that he shed, God's blood. He, see, he sees it through the blood of God. That's why he comes and lives in us and he's close to us. He'll talk to us. He leads us. He guides us. How many of you feel often lonely? It's if you're a child of God, you're believing a lie. You're not alone. You have the very living God inside of you. In your loneliness, say, Lord, minister to me, Holy Spirit. When I, when I really feel bad about things and down and out, I sit down and I put my hands, my palms on my lap, and I say, Lord, I'm empty. And I know I'm not really empty, but who knows that emotions often lie to us? But right then I feel empty and I say, Lord, I'm empty. Holy Spirit, my cup is empty. Please fill me. And then I wait. Without an exception, I experience the Spirit of God coming over me. If I sit there with faith and expectation, God's going to fill me now. It happens. On my own, just me and the Lord say, Lord, oh, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Holy Spirit. God comes. I sense electricity for my heart. I just sense peace for my heart. So he's, he makes us adequate. He's our sufficiency. The next word is credential. He gives you credentials. That one word, sufficient, is translated, he gives you credentials. What is credentials? I'm a doctor, therefore I can practice medicine. I'm an engineer, therefore I can practice engineering. I'm this and I'm that, and therefore I can operate in this function because I have the qualification and the credentials. I see credentials like this army general with all of these, what do you call that stuff? Medals. All of these medals and, I mean, the rank, the stars, the castle on the shoulders. He has, I mean, he, he looks like a, an amazing Christmas tree. <laughs> he's got all the credentials. He's been, he's run armies of thousands of people. He's worked on strategy. He's got, he's got the qualifications and the credentials. God says he's given you competence. Say, say after me, Jesus has given me competence. Qualification, adequacy, sufficiency, credentials through Jesus. Thank you, Father. So, last but not least, Genesis 17, 1 says, he's our sufficient one. It says, El Shaddai, and that word means our all-sufficient one. It's one of the names of God is El Shaddai. Our Lord God Almighty. So God is our sufficiency in three main areas. Who of us here has a basic need to belong? To family, to, to social structure, to something. Okay. Every human being has a need to belong. That's why we male and female are drawn to one another. That's why we are drawn to church. We are drawn to 
We come out of a family. We're made in the image of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the perfect family. We're made in the image of that. So we desire community and fellowship and intimacy. So we all have a basic need to belong. Who of us here has a basic need to be of value? We all have a basic need of value, hey? We all have a basic need of competence. Somebody, you at least want to do one thing properly. Who of you feels you only have one gift? I'm the only one. Okay. Who has two gifts that you've recognized in yourself? Huh? You have two gifts. Who's got more than two gifts? No one. Okay. So the rest have got nothing. Okay. Who's got more than one gift? Raise your hand. Don't be false, humble, man. Okay, I'll raise. I've got more than one gift. Who's got more than one gift? Raise your hand. Who's got less than one gift? Raise your hand. Okay, nobody wants to commit yet. It's fine. So, every human being has a need to belong, to be valuable, and to have competence. Would you agree? Those are basic needs. Now, every one of the Godhead kind of specializes in fulfilling one of these needs. They're all equal. They, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all are God. But there's a, there's a rank in heaven. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They, they're under one another. They, they submit to one another. But they, the Son and the Spirit submit to the Father. They follow the Father. Jesus says, I do nothing unless the Father tells me to do that. The Father spoke. The word that He spoke is Jesus. And the activator of those words is the Holy Spirit. They have perfect unity, perfect harmony, but they have specific personalities. They have specific leanings, functions. So, your need to belong, who would you say? They all fulfill the need to belong, but who would you say of the three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, would specifically fulfill that need? Who says Holy Spirit? Who says Son? Who says father? Ah. So the father says, when they ask Jesus, how should we pray? He says, you say, Abba. Abba, daddy, daddy, God. Abba is the Aramaic for daddy. It's the, it refers to the first word that a baby speaks to its parent. My kids couldn't pronounce the, 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 the sound pa or ma at first. I would say papa. Mama, that's the sound that came out. Now, how dependent, how reliant is my child on me? I mean, completely. And God says, I, Daddy God, say to me, the way a child relates to a father and a mother is the way you relate to me. And when God says, call me father, what does it make you? If God says, call me father, what does it give you? What position does it give you? What value? A good father, what, does, what value does a good father give a child? Identity, belonging, da -da 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 -da, provision, think of it. And God says, the way you relate your belonging is fulfilled, satisfied by the most important person to belong to. The creator of the universe. 
Today I watched a short little video of an iceberg cracking up. It's scary. It's very scary. I mean, that iceberg can easily kill all of us. The man that made that says to me, call me daddy. The man that made the sun that can burn everything in its path says, call me daddy. I'm your daddy, daddy God. Abba Father, you belong to me. I know the number of hair on your head. Nothing can happen to you unless I allow it. Daddy, daddy God. So our need for belonging is fulfilled by God the Father. The creator says, you are my child. Okay, your need for value. We're wrapping up now. Our need for value, who satisfies that? Holy Spirit and Son, but who would you say specializes in that? Why would you say Jesus? Gave his life. So who here has felt valueless after you got reborn? Take your hand, slap yourself. (laughs) Say, stupid, stop with that. (laughs) Nobody willing to join me. I felt valueless after rebirth, and I've been a minister for how many years, and a missionary, da-da-da-da. Is there any truth in me feeling I'm worth nothing? Who's going to join me? One, two, three. Slap yourself. Wake up. Say to yourself, wake up. So by Christ dying for us, what's he actually communicating to us? He's saying, your restoration to me, your reconciliation to me is more important than my Can you believe it? Our restoration, our reconciliation, our salvation to Him, our lives is worth more to Him than His His, his own life. Can any man or woman that you one day might marry or already married to, or still going to marry, who's married here? Can any man or woman give you more value than Christ? Kevin? No. We fail. The person that gives you the greatest value, nothing can give you greater value than Jesus Christ. And he's not any man. He's God himself. God himself says, you are so valuable to me, my son and daughter. I place your restoration, your reconciliation, your life, your salvation, your freedom from sin, your freedom from fear. I place that above my own life. When you feel down and you feel rejected, pushed out, isolated, just think on that. Your values, if you feel, if you reminisce of the things that people have done to you, If you reminisce of people physically abusing you, verbally abusing you, just think of what Jesus thinks of you. And you'll be set free from bondage, from brokenness. Start healing, starts falling on you. And your need for competence, 
Obviously, it's Holy Spirit. I can't tell you how many jobs I've done that I'm not qualified to do. Starting with lots of ministry. Let me tell you one story. We, were, we planted a church on the West Coast in Hopefield. And the washing, we were the closest repair man was 40 kilometers away. Either Langebaan, Friedenburg, or Moriesburg. You know that area? Who knows that area? Okay. So we had no repair man in Hopefield, small little town. So my wife wanted to do washing the second day, and the little rudder in the middle wouldn't move. It like just wouldn't turn. It stopped working. You know the little rudder? The old washing machines? Yes, and I prayed and I said, God, I can't imagine how Nudine will behave if she has to stand in a bath and stomp on clothes because the repair man is going to take two weeks to fix up the washing machine. Who you experienced a mother or a sister or a wife having to wash clothes in a bath? Anybody experienced that? It's not a nice sight. You will be the receiver of extreme verbal lacerations. <laughs> Ladies, would you agree? Would you lash out if you had to do that for two weeks? They all agree. Look at them. And would you employ the brother and the father and the husband, if you married, to come and do it himself? Huh? So I, I pictured this. And I thought, oh, God, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Two weeks. They're slow. Who knows the Cape is much slower in repairing stuff than Gauteng. I come many years ago. And so I prayed. I said, God, please, I've never looked at a washing machine. I'm actually too scared to open it up. I just, not interested about it. But Lord, would you show me, give me competence how to fix up this thing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, in faith. That night, night, that evening, I dreamt a shoelace had wound itself around the rudder. I think, oh my word. Next morning, I wake up. I run to the washing machine. I put my hand underneath the rudder. Guess what was there? Shoelace. I unwound the shoelace, and the rudder worked. Where does the shoelace come? My dear, beautiful wife put two tackies in the washing machine without me seeing it. And the shoelace, ladies, never do that, okay? And the shoelace had come loose off the tacky and it wound itself around the rudder and throttled the rudder. I'd never seen... <laughs> so, I'd never seen the tackies there. I, I was away the whole day when she had done that. She did mention the next day, you know, I'm missing one shoelace. Do you know where it is? I said, yes, I do know where it is. It's all joking, hey? So, uh, and God gave me competence where my competence lacks. So who here would like to repent with me of not finding my belonging in God the Father primarily? Of not finding my value in Jesus Christ primarily? And not finding my competence in the Holy Spirit primarily. Who would like to repent of that right now? Stand up. I'm going to ask Godfrey to lead us in that prayer. Pray for us too, brother. Yeah.
So I think before we pray, I'm just going to ask you, maybe in your own way, in your own words, um, I think God loves it. You know, when we, especially when it comes to repentance, I've learned that no one can do it on your behalf. I can stand here and just utter a few words and you can repeat it after me, but at the end of the day, it's what happens in your heart, you know, that matters to God. So I'm just going to give us a couple of just seconds, you know, just in your own words, in your own way, just, just bring it. It doesn't have to be long. Doesn't have to have 10 scriptures, you know, like in it or anything like that. You know, just simple, God, I am sorry. God, I repent. God, I am changing my ways. I choose to live differently now. So just for a few seconds, just do that. Then I'll pray for us. So, Father, I thank you that your word teaches us that nothing can separate us from your love. God, we thank you that the love that you have for us, Lord, it surpasses all, Lord God, of our understanding. God, we thank you that no demons and no angels, um, Father, no circumstances, no darkness, Lord, absolutely nothing can separate us from your love. God, and I pray right now, Father, as we're just standing here and we see as we just open up our hearts once again, Lord, would you come and just pour your love, Lord, into us once again, God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Father, would you just uh, again remind us of our identity of who we are in you. God, I thank you that according to Ephesians 1, Father, that uh, Lord God, that the, the Holy Spirit came and he's a guarantee for our salvation. And I pray would you come and imprint that again, Lord God, just in our hearts right now. Father, we thank you that your word reminds us that uh, we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. And that the life that we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who died for us and who gave himself for us. Father, help us to live in you. God, your word teaches that in you we move, in you we live, and in you we have our being. Lord, you call us, according to Romans 8, to dwell, Lord God, in your presence, to dwell in the Spirit. And all of these things are impossible without you equipping us, without you walking with us, and without you, Father, leading us. So, God, we repent right now. Father, we're sorry for not finding our value in you. We repent, Father, for not finding, Lord, our competence in you. God, we repent, Father, from, Lord God, even just forgetting who you are in you, God. The fact that you have given us, Lord God, the spirit of sonship by which we can call you Abba. God, we thank you. We thank you that we are your children. We thank you that you are your sons and your daughters. God, that, that is truth that actually needs to blow our minds. That we are the sons and the daughters of the Almighty God, the creator of every single thing that we see around us. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, would you just imprint this, just this one truth right now in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, folks. Have a lovely evening.